there are some questions. Uh, uh, Mr. Eric Sulheim has to leave soon, uh, but uh, he uh, there was a question uh, uh, sent to him and to Professor Faisal uh, from India by Mrs. Li Xing, who herself has to catch a, a plane soon. Uh, but she's uh, asking uh, the, the two of you, uh, Mr. Eric Sulheim and uh, Professor Faisal, uh, or Stephen, sorry. Uh, it says, she says, why do Western countries have so many misunderstandings to Chinese civilization? What are their suggestions on how to tell the, the China story or narrative to them? So what, what can we do to explain China to people in the West? Eric, please. I think a starting point, which is very important, is to restart all sorts of people-to-people contact after COVID. Because, uh, true, there are underlying interests. I mean, people who don't want a good relationship between China and the U.S. I mean, there are certain circles in the, or between China and the West, there are certain circles in the U.S. who try to uh, promote a bad relationship. But nothing was helped by COVID because COVID stopped tourism made business contacts, academic contacts, everything a lot more difficult. So to restart all this as fast as possible, get tourists to visit, of course, Chinese tourists to come to Europe, European and American tourists to go to China, open up the air routes. Uh, they still have much fewer flights than there was before COVID, opening up academic contacts, uh, make sure that business people are visiting in both directions. Some of this has started, but it's still slow compared to the situation before COVID. And all this will help. It will not solve all problems, but it will help. So Prime Minister Lee's visit to, uh, to Germany and, and France is a very good starting point for this. But we simply need to ste- step up all the contacts uh, a lot more. Then, of course, uh, we need to fight back. Uh, there is a lot of negatives uh, about China in Western media at the moment. Uh, the counter-narratives must uh, be put forward. Uh, China is today the most modern society on the planet. If you go to, say, Guangzhou or, or Shenzhen, or you will be you will be taken aback by the modernity of China, while many, many Westerners still have an impression of China as a kind of something similar to the Soviet Union or a place with an enormous amount of pollution, which was the case 15 years ago, but it's basically disappeared uh, everywhere. So you, you need to set out a new narrative about China and, and also the fact that China historically has been a very, very peaceful uh, nation. China has not been involved in any war since 1979 with Vietnam, while the United States has basically been involved in every war in the world in the last decades. Uh, in one way or the other. So opening up all sorts of contacts and uh, getting the content narrative into into media and the global conversation is my main uh, uh, suggestion. If you finally will allow me a somewhat related uh, uh, comment, because I think we all agree that the idea of decoupling is suicide, as was said. It is very dangerous. It will be an enormous loss for everyone, for China, for the West, and, and, and for developing countries for everyone. But there is also another issue of de-risking, which need to be handled in a 
appropriate way. Because we need to kind of establish some sort of rules. China will not allow Microsoft or Amazon to build the basic infrastructure in China because China sees that as a, uh, something where they want domestic control. So, say for Europe to say that ba- some basic infrastructure in Europe will be made by Ericsson uh, or by Siemens, that is not irrational. That's basically applying the same rules for Europe and for China. And also, of course, European companies want control of some of the value chains. Again, that is not irrational. I mean, uh, China is not totally dominant in all the value chains for the green uh, economy. I mean, everything related to batteries or electric vehicles, China is uh, 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 renewables and is far ahead of anyone else, totally dominant. Uh, the people in the West have not realized yet, but business is realizing it. And of course, European companies want some control over their value chains. That applies to the competition with China, but also to the competition with the United States and others. That, again, is not irrational, but it needs to be handled in the context of the World Trade Organization or accepted global rules. So I think what Li Li Chang initiated during his uh, German and French visit was very helpful because we need a practical uh, conversation as to how we can manage the business competition within framework of global uh, cooperation. But our all to end up, uh, we need to fight back against all those who want to decouple, all those who smear China and Western media. It's very unhelpful, very dangerous, uh, and we need to fight back and we need to open up as many levels of contacts as, as possible. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Sulheim. Uh, there was a, a question submitted first. It, it sounds partially as a consular affairs question, but also a question on communication. This is Marina Kerber. She asks, uh, she says that uh, I have so far contacted the Chinese embassies in Croatia and Serbia regarding the BRI, Belt and Road Initiative. Either you don't get an answer or the answer is not saying anything. How could this be done better? I expect a lot of China and this is a compliment. So I don't know if uh, Councillor Wang wants to address that question, but uh, it, it sounds more like a consular affairs question. Serbia and Croatia, the embassies, how can get more information from them about the BRI? Somebody suggested that we could get more information from Professor uh, Peng Keming from uh, Guangzhou. Uh, he says we can provide you all the information you want as academics. There are other sources of information of the BRI, but why? How to con- communicate with the Chinese embassies in Serbia and Croatia? So we can help try to contact uh, our colleagues uh, in the embassies in Croatia and uh, Serbia and uh, to find out so uh, what the problem is and uh, uh, hope so uh, we can help them to uh, have a better uh, exchange and the communication. Yeah, thank you. One advice I have. I- my experience, if you, in the, the country where you are, you want to have an official information uh, from official 
from embassies, you contact the embassy where you live, uh, not contact embassies in another country. So I think that uh, question is answered. Uh, we have a question for Professor Faisal Ahmed uh, by Ulf Sandmark in Sweden. He says, Professor Faisal Ahmed mentioned the importance of the film industry to promote cultural dialogue among especially young people. I had the privilege to visit Beijing and the Center for Promotion of Touristic Trade. There, the quality of all the actors in tourist trade were systematically improved to become very important actors uh, in the dialogue of civilizations. The knowledge of the workers in touristic sites, hotels, transport, and restaurants were systematically improved with help of the most advanced academic experts. Uh, does Professor Ahmed or someone else uh, want to comment uh, on using films, uh, tourist industries, and other self-financing trades to bring masses of more actors into the dialogue of civilization, also possibly with other youth exchange activities, sports, and music events? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I think this is a very uh, important point that, that has been raised. Uh, what from the previous question and uh, this one also, uh, what we generally uh, need to understand at this moment is that there is need for repositioning uh, of the uh, image or the brand of China, which has actually been uh, largely being damaged by the Western narratives today, uh, including the American uh, narrative. So a repositioning actually is required, which is very, very uh, important. And repositioning is like uh, uh, making a new image in the uh, mind of the people so that they understand the correct image and not go by the uh, Western narratives. Uh, uh, in fact, uh, if we look at, uh, try to know about China, all the civilizational prowess, uh, all the great civilizational prowess that China possesses, uh, it's uh, no longer in the discourse because everything has been, you know, overpowered by those uh, uh, fake narratives. So therefore, I think that some of the points that uh, one issue that the films that they mentioned, uh, there are other issues, including films I will talk about. Uh, uh, We have to uh, see the whole issue is about confidence building measures. Now, if you go for confidence building measure, one of the best way for improving or enhancing the confidence building measure is the people to people contact. So therefore, opening up tourism uh, uh, and, uh, you know, uh, business to business meetings like relaxations in the, uh, you know, visa norms for uh, more business to business interactions, uh, the scholarships to study. This is very, very uh, significant uh, as a soft power, because if you look at the United States, they've given a huge amount of scholarships to countries across the world uh, to develop a pro-American orientation over a period of time. And now, uh, China would also be looking for when it is striving for becoming, a, you know, uh, you know, uh, this uh, sig- making a significant, you know, uh, impact on the uh, world and uh, the civilizational impact in the world. I think it should be looking for <laughs> putting up a lot of uh, scholarships, opening up a lot of scholarships in various fields of interest for students coming from different countries of the world. Uh, so that they have a, you know, uh, understand the Chinese, you know, characteristics and the Chinese way. And when they go back to their own countries and join government, uh, they have some orientation uh, toward the uh, understanding of the Chinese policy in a positive way. Uh, at the same time, 
one very significant thing i think uh, which is uh, worth understanding from what various few countries like the united states have been doing addressing students in uh, different countries on official visits by leaders head of state or head of government uh, when we have seen in 2010 president obama coming in, in india uh, he didn't come to delhi straight away new delhi straight away he went to bombay and address students undergraduate students of saint uh, <clears throat> uh, joseph or some college uh, in <clears throat> sorry uh, undergraduate students of some college in mumbai in a open air you know amphitheater and he was standing and is speaking to the students and uh, students were raising questions on him right from uh, united states to pakistan to kashmir issues to china issues and everything and uh, he was just responding to them uh, in of course in a very uh, sometimes uh, being more diplomatic sometimes in a different way but then the point is that uh, this interaction becomes very important in enhancing the image of a country i mean when of leaders go on official visit like the ministers or the head of state or the head of government and if they organize a meeting like this in one of the prestigious universities in those uh, countries uh, uh, and answer and address the local students and let them ask few questions uh, which they can respond to that is that goes uh, uh, you know way ahead in enhancing the image of the country this is what exactly happened in india when president obama addressed the students i mean there was a huge uh, you know a pro us orientation everywhere in india uh, because president obama was talking to the students directly uh, then uh, another thing uh, uh, like when we talk about bri one of the biggest narrative that comes in uh, like uh, bri is about debt trap uh, or bri is facing implementation problems now these <laughs> these two issues have to be have to be handled through a counter narrative there has to be some research oriented you know articles or research oriented counter narrative which actually says clearly giving examples and i i read uh, uh, husain's uh, i think one of the post on linkedin which was uh, i mean quite uh, interesting to go through uh, which actually talks about uh, that uh, no bri is not a dead trap uh, and uh, some of these should come from governments uh, in china and some of these should come from experts and scholars across the world as well and not who are not necessarily from china uh, uh, then because this is a very general understanding if you i mean talk to anyone uh, anywhere in the world uh, especially in india if you talk about bri so there are only two things it's a debt trap by china and uh, oh it's facing a lot of implementation issues it's not going to be successful Uh, these are the two key points which need to be addressed now the issue about the films which have come up is very interesting as i told you it is a matter which uh, issue which connects people uh, i wrote one article earlier also with a chinese friend on uh, uh, that was largely on india china film diplomacy uh, but then that uh, made sense because this is how you develop a geocultural uh, connect and a people to people connect uh, today it is very important Uh, that uh, chinese films because we have netflix various types of ott platforms uh, so a lot of chinese films and uh, uh, dramas television dramas they can actually be uh, uh, marketed through netflix and various ott platforms uh, if you look at india today uh, one of the very significant you know films and dramas which have taken up uh, is from south korea 
so today every you know uh, kid uh, today wants to watch a, on netflix and ott something uh, coming out from uh, which is a south korean film or south korean drama and of course these are not in english so most of the time uh, they are in their uh, korean language but you get a uh, you know a script of english translation below that so exactly the same thing if uh, it can be marketed ott and netflix platforms uh, for film and uh, episode based you know serials and dramas which can be marketed uh, by the uh, chinese industry that will make immense impact on uh, enhancing and developing its outreach among the uh, younger generations in uh, different countries uh, uh, and one example i would say is like we take the example of uh, uh things like uh, doremon uh, in japan which has created a huge impact like i mean every child would like to just because they have seen doremon say so they believe that uh, japan is like full of fantasy and they would like to visit japan at any point of time having a very uh, you know positive image about uh, the country i think most of these image uh, this is happening in the age group of people who are between 16 to 25 years of uh, age and therefore cinema and uh, these ott and netflix platform can create a really huge impact in image makeover and repositioning of uh, any country uh, so uh, i think uh, these are the points that i wanted to just talk about yeah thank you thank you very much uh, professor li ching yeah i i agree with uh, professor amat comment but i think that what what uh, as i said uh, most things are taking place efforts taking place outside the west but uh, now we are i'm living in the west so i witnessed uh, how the west is uh, becoming more and more paradoxical paranoid and very reactionary towards china uh, you know the confucian institute used to be a bridge it's closed everywhere in my university is closed i established two uh, china oriented educations Uh, they were closed so somehow the west become very much rejective uh, towards this kind of uh, civilizational exchange so how we can improve the situation here it's a quite a big challenge uh, i think hosain did a good job in terms of uh, give uh, a counter narratives uh, different narratives uh, but i think uh, what i do is that uh, i try in my teaching in my role i try to convince the west is that uh, that the your vision is not shared by the majority of of the world population anymore you do not represent when united states talk about the rule based order but that order is the western order other countries uh, uh, do not agree uh, for example cambridge university published this uh, new global uh, survey uh, shows that uh, uh, the great division between north and south uh, the north a 1.2 billion population uh, they are very negative towards china towards russia but the global south exactly is the opposite they are very much overwhelmingly uh, positive towards china and also uh, quite, quite quite a large percent 66% positive over russia it's great surprise to the west even uh, the uh, munchen uh, security conference report shows that uh, that there is no single country in in the in the global south that join the sanction okay they condemn that discourse level 
but in action they never. So even the West recognized that um, there is a division between the Western's worldview and the global South. So now I think we should promote this and, and, and try to convince the West that uh, you are not representative anymore. I think this is also one way of, of, of doing things. Thank you. I, I, uh, just a reflection of in my trip, uh, tour in China, I, as I said, I was in six different provinces, different parts of China, and I had lectures in six different universities and uh, academic institutions, but the enormous frustration by the students that, that China is trying to help the world with the Belt and Road, poverty alleviation, that everything, all we get back is this resentment from the West and so on. So I, I said, first of all, you have to look at the facts because every week China and the Belt and Road wins new friends. Mm, yes. And the adversaries of China and the Belt and Road lose friends every week. And more and more nations are joining the Belt and Road and China. So this is a, it's very important for people to think about reality rather than the narratives. But then on the part of narrative, uh, I mean, most people complain that the Chinese are not good in communicating the good things they do, which is uh, in a certain way. But China is, you know, has been focused on other things. China has been focused on doing real poverty alleviation, developing the economy, developing the culture inside the country. They don't want to dominate others. They don't want to tell others what to do. And therefore, they have not had this policy of imposing or, you know, uh, uh, but you take a comparison. In 2021, the U.S. Uh, Congress unanimously voted for the uh, Strategic Competition Act 2021. Now, there are three articles inside that act pertaining to the Belt and Road and China, and they established a fund called the Encountering China Influence Fund. And the funding is $300 million each year for five years. That's $1.5 billion that will be spent through American embassies to spread narratives about China through bloggers, so-called independent media, you know, buying journalists, buying people with money to spread narratives about bad negative narratives about China. Now, you can build 30 modern hospitals every year with that money in Africa, <laughs> which would be much more helpful for the image of the United States rather than. But China does not do that. China does not, you know, spread negative narratives about other nations. But there is need from by China within the framework of respecting the sovereignty of other nations to promote what China is really about. I mean, one simple thing is, you know, there, there should be, a, people should see how Chinese people live every day. I saw that myself. You know? And I saw one very fascinating um, phenomena. You know, I, I go out walking in the, around the area, around the hotel where I used to live, or just take a taxi with someone, a translator. And you see in, in, in parks, in public places, people are dancing. You know, they have music and they dance. It's like this is <laughs> their afterwork. And the people are so happy and joyful and optimistic. I haven't seen such a phenomena in any other country, especially here in the West. We are very pessimistic. 
We have enormous crises. Our culture is, you know, in trouble. And people are depressed, scared. But the Chinese people, they live a different life. But at the same time, they see all the terrible things happening around the world. And of course, that's a matter of concern. But they should never forget that they have done great job in China, but also they are gaining new friends every day. Never forget that. Yes, thank you, Hussein. Uh, I would just add a few points. Uh, were there any other specific questions you wanted to uh, bring up yet? or uh, We don't have from the uh, questions from the uh, attendees now. Uh, okay. Wait, wait oh. a minute. Uh, there's Ulf Sandmark. I, I think it's a question to uh, Professor Mironchik. Uh, uh, sorry, Ambassador Pinochik, sorry. Uh, he says the BRI flagship Great Stone project in Belarus is a very active part in China-Europe trade. What is the situation currently with physical trade and transport with Western Europe, considering the effects of the conflict in the neighboring countries, i.e. Ukraine? Uh, indeed, uh, the Great Stone Industrial Park uh, is uh, what uh, was once called the gem uh, of uh, the, the pearl of the Belt and Road Initiative uh, by President Xi. And uh, we we totally agree uh, with uh, this description. Uh, what is uh, uh, peculiar about the Great Stone is a combination of it being part of the logistic chain between China and Western Europe, and at the same time, uh, it being a, a center, uh, a hub uh, for development of uh, cutting-edge technologies in many spheres. Uh, we see this as a combination which guarantees uh, sustainable uh, uh, development uh, of the Great Stone, regardless of the political weather. But even under the weather, as it is now, I uh, should point out uh, that the trade flows going through Belarus, um, uh, they are demonstrating remarkable resistance uh, to negative influences of uh, political uh, disagreements, or uh, of um, sanctions and counter-sanctions, which are being uh, applied now by the West and uh, Russian Federation. First and foremost, uh, we see that the railroad project uh, and Great Stone and Belarus is the part of the railroad axis between the West and Europe and uh, China, is demonstrating uh, re remarkable um, uh, speed of development. Uh, to give you an anecdotal evidence, uh, I get re uh, requests uh, from uh, uh, companies to help them get their cargo on uh, this rail. And as my colleagues uh, tell me, we already experienced the bottlenecks 
uh, in uh, along this uh, railroad, uh, uh, especially the Trans-Siberian part. But I think as we get closer to uh, the uh, exhaustion of the current capacity of the existing railroad network, we are also getting closer to new initiative aimed at expansion of this capacity. Uh, I am not able to uh, produce off-the-cuff exact figures right now, but please rest assured that uh, railroad connection between uh, China and Western Europe through Belarus works smoothly and without any major problems. Uh, it is also uh, in demand uh, due to several reasons. First of all, and foremost, uh, this is uh, the result of natural uh, development of China because uh, attention uh, given to the development of the continental part of China, of the inner provinces of China, uh, is uh, bearing fruit. And we see that uh, industrial output in uh, Western China is uh, increasing exponentially. Uh, together with it, increases its exposure to foreign trade and increased trade flows from continental China, from Western provinces of China towards Western Europe. And we also see uh, that uh, uh, trains from traveling from the West towards China, uh, which at times, some 10, 12 years ago, were sometimes traveling with empty containers, they are now traveling uh, fully uh, loaded. Belarus also contributes to the growth of these volumes uh, of cargo being transported, uh, in part due to um, complicated overall situation. Like we are experiencing problems uh, which are remarkable in themselves, uh, especially against the background of the global food crisis. Because uh, decisions adopted by the European Union are impeding us uh, from um, supplying customers all over the world, especially in Latin America, Africa and Southeast Asia with Belarusian fertilizers through what once has been normal route. Baltic seaports. We no longer have access uh, to these seaports, which is which contradicts, uh, in fact, international law, providing certain guarantees to landlocked countries like Belarus, contradicts to common sense. But thanks God, we have railroad connection with China. And a lot of fertilizers are now being transferred, transferred via land. Another reason, uh, of course, we see that, especially during pandemic, uh, when uh, a lot of countries experienced uh, problems with their supply chains and the 
the the speed of supply, uh, maritime supply, uh, railroad supplies, uh, which are at least twice and at times three times as fast as maritime routes, uh, have proven to be really effective. And they help to uh, bring down the costs of production, making final products more accessible to uh, the people who are now experiencing, uh, in many parts of the world, uh, economic problems, uh, also artificially created economic problems caused by application of sanctions or other instruments which uh, should be left in the past, really. Sorry for not providing you exact figures. Uh, uh, you, you caught me uh, a little bit by, uh, by, by surprise by your question, but I hope that I gave you a description uh, of uh, the current situation, which uh, is of use. Thank you. Thank you very much. I think it says, uh, the answer gives uh, enough information on the status of the situation. I mean, I, I know personally, I, through research I've done, that, uh, for example, despite all the tension in between the EU and Russia and Belarus, actually Poland is now developing the rail connection and logistics hub on the border with Belarus uh, at Malavice Brest connection on the border. And the, as you said, the, Your Excellency, the, the actually the freight has been increasing between China and the EU through Russia and Belarus, something which we reported about last year, which was uh, interesting to to see. But like Poland, the EU refused to finance that project on the border with Belarus. So the Polish government decided that they will uh, 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 finance this important project because it's for the future of Poland, that the new Silk Road, as the I think the Polish railway uh, director said, uh, we quoted him in our report, he said, this is our future. It's important for Poland's future to build this and expand the new Silk Road, the Iron Silk Road or the China-EU uh, Expressway. So this is a, a very telling thing about the difference between reality and ideology, between the needs of the people and where politicians have their mind. I think, uh, I think this brings us to the question of the, we have the biggest crisis in Europe right now is Ukraine, of course, uh, and the question of Ukraine being a bridge between the East and West rather than it becoming a new Berlin wall uh, is very, very important. But I I know that Ukraine was one of the first countries actually that joined uh, uh, the Belton Road already in December 2013. I, I think what my colleague emphasized is the, is the fundamental factor, which is the reality of how the world is changing and the reality of what is occurring with uh, the BRI, the, the recognition of the great majority of people and nations uh, working together with it, that has to get out. Now, the problem that we have, I think, uh, was identified by, by uh, Mr. Solheim, that in addition to creating the people-to-people contacts, which are very crucial, even understanding the need to learn uh, Mandarin, to read. Uh, the Chinese are very actively engaging in learning English to 
uh, reach the world, I think it's very important that it goes in the other direction. Maybe the purpose of shutting down some of these institutes is to uh, has been to prevent that. But the 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 other thing that I think Mr. Solheim mentioned is we have to fight. Now it doesn't mean military fighting, which is not helpful under the circumstances that the world is facing, but it does mean that there has to be a fight for truth. Because what is going on with this demonization, with the debt trap, these scenarios have come out of a foundation in the U.S., the Jamestown Foundation. The uh, story about uh, uh, genocide in uh, uh, Xinjiang, the uh, the debt trap uh, story. These are, are, they're not mistakes. These are intentional di uh, distortions of reality and the truth. And that is where I think we have to engage ourselves in a dignified way. Because you cannot have a functioning communication and dialogue where you are at, at, at least reaching the basis of respect for one another in, in terms of culture and nations, if you have no respect for the truth. And that has to be a challenge. The unfortunate fact is that the great majority of citizens in the West are being bombarded by mainstream media sources with ideas which are intentionally misrepresenting things. That is a challenge that I think we can meet by this kind of event, by further uh, engagement in interviews, which I'm happy to do with the Russian International Affairs Council, uh, with uh, other institutions that uh, uh, I, I was so grateful to be able to speak at the major event in China. Uh, I hope that Perhaps my colleague and I will be returning soon. Uh, we have to demonstrate that the principles, some of which I, I, I attempted to delineate in my remarks, that this tradition that we have had in the West at certain times, which has stood for a notion of the goodness of human beings, the, the United States essentially had been founded on those very principles, very much influenced by Leibniz. These are the, the criteria that has to be raised as the battle cry, whereby not tolerating deliberate falsifications, which are unfortunately a, a major factor in creating the tensions in the geopolitical dangers that we're up against. But that fight, I think we can do it. I think we will continue to do that with the Belt and Road Institute uh, in Sweden, with our friends and allies. And uh, as Martin Luther King once said, we shall overcome. Thank you. Okay. Uh, if there is no other further comments by any of the panelists that uh, we then conclude this very, very productive and fascinating uh, webinar.
Thank you. Thank you. Councillor. Thank you, Stefan. Thank you, Councillor Wan, so much for being with us. Yeah. Thank you. Thank, Thank you for all, uh, all the insights. And convey our greetings, of course, to Ambassador Shui. Yes. Thank you very much, Stephen and Hossein. Yeah. And uh, for this wonderful webinar. Thank you. Thank you. And Thank goodbye. You. Yeah. Bye bye. Bye bye.